Yeah, we want you to listen to us. Welcome back to the Northland Sports Page. It's hour number two. We're with you till noon today. Nice to hear Steven Tyler back at a time that he could sing. Right. As, by the way, Aerosmith, you still owe me about 400 bucks, Or at least reschedule your uh, St. Paul appearance. And let's see if we can't get that done in 2024. Dave Cook, maybe the question is, this is Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, what can the Vikings get done in 2024? Because we're going to give out awards for 2023, and radio is not a visual medium, but heavy on the air quotes for awards because we use the song Crying for a reason. The first line is, there was a time that I was so brokenhearted, and I leaned over to you during the intro there, and I said, just about every Viking season, and this one, no exception. Uh, 100%. This one has a little bit more a little bit more angst involved because, I mean, I was looking the other day and did you, the Vikings were borderline top 10 in offense, in defense and all this stuff. And they were number one in turnovers. Yes. And I mean, they're talking about Dan Mullins the other day. And do you remember when we made fun of Jameis? Who would that be? The quarterback. Is that Nick Mullins? That, his cousin. They were yeah. discussing no, him. No, it's his nickname. That's okay. what they call him around the His friends call him the Dan? Old, the old locker room. You're closer than I am with yeah. Nick Mullins. That's that's the old locker room. So game. we should have bumped in with Danny Boy. Please continue. But the um, Nick Mullins, they they were comparing him to, do you remember the crazy uh, Jameis season? Yes, but where did you get that? Do you have a friend named Dan Mullins? <laughs> where did that come from? I, I don't know. Moving right along. Yes. Um, uh, Jameis's year where he threw for 5,000 yards. His 30-30 year. 30-30 year. Yeah. So Mullins had a higher interception rate than Jameis did. But if you just let him back there and sling, your numbers would be really similar to that because he can throw the ball, but he just doesn't always throw it to our guys. So maybe that's why I said as recently as last Sunday on the last episode of Time for Two More that if the Vikings don't re-sign Kirk and decide to draft a kid QB and kind of let him compete, I said maybe you bring in Jameis as your veteran backup because I've seen it before. I I'm not against bringing Jameis in as your veteran starter. Uh, Jameis is a Jameis is a good quarterback. He's just a little erratic. Here's what I I heard the other day. So we won't talk draft for ten seconds. If they sign Kirk, they need to draft the kid from Notre Dame because the kid from Notre Dame is Kirk. He's got a little bit of gumption. He's got a nice arm. He throws people open. They were 9-7. and seven. I mean, he is Kirk. I was going to say, here's the issue. The listeners just heard that, and they heard the sentence, he is Kirk, and they turned their radio off because they said, I'm not going with a kid to go 9-8 and eight again. I, I, I can't argue with it, though, because right. he does everything Kirk does, and we've seen what not Kirk does this year, and if you could put him behind Kirk for a year or two, I don't know. That makes sense to me. Yeah, there's some merit to that. There are lots of questions to be answered into next season, and we'll find out in the coming months. Do you have a countdown calendar to the draft already? You're at, what, three months? Yep, three months exactly, but it's only about three weeks, four weeks to the combine. All right, there you combine's go. Combine's coming. And to me, once again, that involves farming, but that's different. No, 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 but it's, it's in, in Indiana, so I suppose you could do the John Deere and Indiana. I was just proud that the ultimate city kid made a farming connotation wait, to anything. Wait till people see Joe Milton from Tennessee throw, because he's the guy that can throw the ball 90 yards in the air. But sometimes you need to throw it nine yards in the air, and he's still trying to throw it. See, here's why I don't like the draft too much, because it's January 13th. And if you say Milton, I hope you're talking shake right now, because it's much more important to me. Well, it is more important. But I just said, just wait to get a load of this guy. He's going to go from undrafted to a mid-round guy because he can throw the ball like laser beams all over the yard. All right, so maybe he'll become a Vikings MVP at some point. No, 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 no. He won't. All right, so it's a hard no. But I was trying to segue, because you know how I like to do that. So what we're going to do, again, our Vikings awards for the season that was... And heavy on the quotation marks, the air quotes, as I like to call them, for awards because 
this wasn't a season worthy of a lot, but there were still some positives and there are negative awards too. And we'll give those out. Yep. So let's start with the offensive MVP. And I think this is a difficult one because you could sit there and say, well, we proved time and time again, we being the Vikings. Sorry for those that don't like when I say we, because I'm not on the team, but I think we proved that the MVPs were probably those that were lost to injury at some point, whether it was Kirk, JJ or TJ. But how do you want to go with the players that played? I, I think it depends on the number of games you have for eligibility right. because I would probably still give it to Hawkinson because he didn't miss you that much. You and I much. hang around way too much. Well, I thought, I'm going to say Hawkinson. Brian's not going to say Hawkinson. But I don't think that's that terrible in, in terms of we hang out too much. I think it means that you know I'm proud of you because it means we watch the same games and you don't watch the games. No, so, I don't. But you can see and read and, and then watch the highlights. Because it means PA's that, descriptions to you were quite good. No, he's the one guy that all the quarterbacks used. Like all the quarterbacks right. used Nookie Blanky by definition. Yep, and not just to a guy, but to all guys. The I really wanted to give it to Derisaw or Neal because our tackles were actually really, really good until the end of the season. They kind of started to fail a little bit, you know. So and and you also think about uh Addison. Right. Because Addison, I mean, it's a rookie, kind of kept it together while while Jefferson was out. And so, I mean, I, I you could convince me that it's Addison. I think it's TJ, and it's and it's not it's not the running backs. It's certainly not the center. Wait, do you think the Pro Bowl people called ahead of time and said, "Hey, Bradbury, is, if he ends up there, please put the quarterbacks in shotgun because we don't want anybody hurt in the Pro Bowl." Well, I kind of thought the Pro Bowl people said, "Who are your nicest players?" Because I get the feeling that Garrett Bradbury is a very nice individual. We all know that CJ Ham is one heck of an individual. But when the Pro Bowl alternates came out, and both of those two were on the list. We've said on Vikings-related shows and Vikings-related segments on this show that those two either weren't visible enough because KOC doesn't use CJ for whatever reason. Pays him, but doesn't use And Garrett Bradbury is the prototypical offensive lineman in the sense that we only hear about him when he's getting trucked at some point. So you, you to see the, those two getting that kind of accolade kind of raised an eyebrow for me. You know the phrase triple or quadruple-A baseball player. Yes. Bradbury's kind of a quadruple-A offensive lineman. And he was out a little bit, too, because we got to know Austin Schlotman again and then things of that nature. So Bradbury was a was a surprise tip of the cap from the Pro Bowl people. But don't get us started on what the Pro Bowl means these days as well. Defensive MVP. You can't use Brian Flores. That's the only caveat, because let's face it, he he was the MVP of getting this group of seemingly ragtag players, not called Daniil Hunter altogether to be effective at times. But who is your defensive MVP? I still think for me it was Josh Metellus, even though he had a horrible last game of the season. But I liked his ball hawking style. To me, he was what Harrison Smith used to be, where you line him up anywhere and do whatever you want with him because Harrison Smith's still good, starting to show the long in the tooth. You couldn't do that as much with him and get away with it. Yeah, I think the difference between the two is Harrison Smith was a safety who did all that stuff, and Metellus really is a linebacker. I was going to say he's listed as one, but what do we got? I think so... I think the easy choice is Hunter. Yep. I think the actual... The third prong is pace. I, I think it's Cam Bynum. Really? Cam Bynum made big play after big play when they were winning, right? He sealed the deal against San Francisco. He um, he was a, he played all year long. He led him in tackles. Like, he, he got married. He did all the stuff that is... All, all the stuff that's outside uh, of the game, which don't really count, but right. I wanted to add it. I was going to say, you get MVP for getting married? I, I think, well, it depends. I meant a lot to this world in 2013. Um, I, I kind of think it's Cam Bynum because he was a, he was the glue player in the back. In the, he allowed Metellus not to play safety, 
right? He allowed Metellus to be the wild card because they had a safety. Does that make sense? I, I just think it does. I think it is. I think it also does because we've got a surprise and disappointment category coming up. And I think a couple of the guys that we mentioned for this potential MVP is, you know, honorable mentions, if you will, especially pace might just fit into the surprise category. So let's just go there first. Best defensive surprise has to be a guy you love the draft wasn't drafted. Yep. It's really the only Andre Carter new II. addition tip of the cap that Quasi's gotten. He can't draft his way out of a paper bag, but he knows the guys that won't get drafted. Yeah, it's Ivan Pace. That's simple. I mean, he was the guy that imagine what the linebacker core would have looked like had they not had Ivan Pace when everybody got hurt. Right. Like you'd have had die out there and we've seen him over the last four years, what that means. And, and yeah, it's a surprise. You can argue pace as the MVP. So he's got to be the surprise. I think I just did roll tape. I think I just did a few seconds ago. What about offensive surprise? Cause I'm going to go with maybe a surprise choice. You could say Addison because you know, splashy on the scene right away, but by the way, you're a number one pick that went to a power five school, a couple of them actually. And so your expectations were there for you. Who the hell was Brandon Powell before this season? That's my offensive surprise. He was effective for this team, minus the tush push. He was good at everything that they asked him to do. Kind of a Swiss Army knife, a miniature version. They have mini Swiss Army knives. <laughs> but but he did a lot of different things for this team. And, you know, he was kind of a fun wrinkle to go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Now, did it come at the expense of some guys that you wish would have done a little bit better? Like, where did K.J. Osborne go this season? That's a question. You know, truthfully. things things of that nature. But... You know, Brandon Powell made you not necessarily miss KJ at times. So I forgot about Powell. Mine is kind of twofold, and I think it's more because we expected more out of the starter. Okay. But I think it's either Dalton Reisner. I thought you were going to go Questenberry. Or Ty Chandler. Ah, yeah. Because that segues nicely into my disappointment. What did I say at the beginning? What have I said all year long? Right. Alexander Madison is not a number one back for anybody. And Ty Chandler kind of turned into one. Yeah. Like there was always a chance that he was going to break it. He never really took negative runs. Like the only issue I had with Chandler getting an end of the season award is he was the biggest surprise of December. The problem there is KOC waited that long to let him loose. It is free Chandler, as everybody would say. But they, you know, they say he's not a practice player. Well, for kids who are listening, you got to become a practice player a little bit to be able to get opportunities sooner on the field. And it sounds like Ty Chandler didn't really get his opportunity to play until he had to because his practice skills aren't great. So that segues easily for me into the offensive disappointment. It is Alexander Madison for me. My thought is maybe it isn't for you because you had him pegged as he's going to flop, and he did. So you can't disappoint if the expectations start low. Do you have somebody else? Yeah, expensive tight end guy, the other one. Josh uh, Oliver. Josh Oliver. Which is interesting because I kind of agree with you, but I also feel that those around the team know more than I do. Ben Lieber gave Oliver his unsung hero of the year. So what were we told? We were told basically he blocks like another tight end, or excuse me, another tackle, and he can catch like a tight end. And I didn't see him. I mean, okay. so if And it blocked, turned out he blocked like a tight end and he catches like a tackle. I, I just, I, I, maybe it's my personal expectation, but I really thought we had a, I really thought we had a, uh, a opportunity to have a, tie, a two-headed tight end thing, right? You know, they run the heavy package like we hear all over the place and, um, and really, really thought we had a two-headed monster and we, we really didn't. And it showed once Hawkinson went down, I mean, it took him two weeks to even find the guy. It did, and and Brian, the 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 interception that started the whole Mullins 
catastrophe against Green Bay. I was going to say, which one? Right, The first one, right off his hands like he threw it against the wall. That was Johnny Munt. Well, okay, so fourth tight end guy then. Right. So pick a tight end, not named TJ Hawkinson, yeah. and they were a little disappointing. Defensive disappointment, I don't know, because there wasn't a lot of expectations with that. I mean, how can you be disappointed in the fact that the secondary was really, really short? I mean, Makai Blackman was okay, except for I, on the jump ball. You know, things that, uh, Caleb Evans, to me, was one. probably the most disappointing towards the end of the season. But he didn't play well at the beginning. Marcus Davenport, because he didn't play at all. Oh, It, truth, it, it truthfully it, should be Byron Murphy Jr. because of the expectations that we put on him. We were buffaloed into thinking that that was a big acquisition, where it turned out that we had Byron Murphy Jr. pegged as Deion Sanders, where really he was pegged as a slightly better Chris Cook. Certainly plagued as a, a little bit better uh, Makai Blackland, right? And and Backman will be the will be. Wow, well, he went over two there. It's not Blackland nor Backman. Um, Wally Backman would have been good in the secondary for sure. It's uh, it's secondary, Caleb, second base, whatever. It's, it's a Caleb Evans, and it's a Caleb Evans with a bullet because he was going to be cornerback number two. We had that spot settled, right? We just needed a cornerback number one. Well, I mean, he played half the season. He sat. It wasn't like he got injured, right? He just sat. It's a little like, uh, and maybe somebody else that we should consider, Asamoah, Asamoah, because, I mean, he was the guy Pace took over for because Brian Flores was going to make three guys. And then he just disappeared. You remember they said for Harrison Smith, he was going to be a great coordinator. For Daniil Hunter, he was going to be a great, and he's going to make Brian Asamoah a hall or a, a pro bowler. And Asamoah saw, what, maybe 25 snaps all year in defense? Yeah, it's very intriguing who played and who didn't under the system it was almost a matter of who understands it and who doesn't. It's interesting to see who didn't flourish because maybe they didn't study or didn't understand the different formations because one thing about Flores is you never knew where somebody was lined up. The problem with that was sometimes the players that were supposed to be lined up in different spots didn't like know where they were supposed to be lined yep, up. Like it. So to finish best win, worst loss, they only won seven games. I really only could think of two, and the second one – really shouldn't be on there because it was also the game where they lost Kirk. It's still fun to go into Lambeau and really leave no doubt. So that was fun, but by the fourth quarter, your season was, for all intents and purposes, over because QB1 was done. So I guess you got to give it to that home win against San Francisco on Monday night, don't you? Well, I that's, again, that's like Daniil Hunter's the MVP of the defense, right. right? So if you want to be fun with it, how about the game in Soldier Field? Where they played just fantastically and held on defensively, for dear yes, life because they had a division three quarterback <laughs> yep, for the Bears at yep. the time. But again, you're throwing me easy segues today because for me, the worst loss again, I thought of two and they came pretty close together. The Bears at home just isn't something that should happen. And the defense, you know, doesn't allow a touchdown and gets beat. That shouldn't happen either. I don't care how many strides Fields has made, that's not a quality quarterback yet. It's a quality athlete playing quarterback. So that was a tough one. But in terms of looking at the scoreboard, time and score, so to speak, I can't get by the Cincinnati game. What on earth did we do? Plus, putting me back there to tush push Nick Mullins was just the head scratcher of the season. Yeah, that was that was a bad loss, Brian. The Cincinnati loss was bad, but I'm going to give you a third one. And that's this absolute butt kicking that Green Bay gave us at home, too. Because we were just all over the place. And that's the only time I felt like this team was Leslie Fraser's team from a couple, four or five years ago, 10 years ago now, where they were just not a capable NFL team. Now, they were injured everywhere. I get it. But they didn't look like they belonged on the field with the Green Bay Packers. 
The Vikings belonged on the field for 17 weeks of the regular season. Postseason, not so much. They have nothing left for this year. We got two segments left for today. Northland Sports Page, Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Stick around. We'll be right back. We know a goodbye when we see one. Welcome back to the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Speaking of goodbyes, we want you to buy just about everything our great sponsors are selling. Dave Cook is going to tell you where you can go to do that. Yeah, let's start with Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance. Uh, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies. Moan Royal Bottle Shop. The Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Blackwater, right here downtown, and Tavern on the Hill, which, again, spent money there this week. I was going to say, I do that almost by accident, but I love it. Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Element Screen Printing, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, your carrier carrier up here in northeastern Minnesota, OAR Holdings, Hoops Brewing, and the OG, the original, Arola Architecture Studio. We love the OG, Ryan Arola of Arola Architecture Studio. He brings us drawing lines each and every week. Spoiler alert, drawing lines will wrap the show today where Dave and I try to do Playoff pick'em NFL style. It's easier when you don't have a dog in the fight. But again, too often, as we just recapped a segment ago, seems, we don't have that dog in the fight. Theme, yep. Right. So we'll see how we do when we don't have to put passion or the heart into it. What they say with betting: bet with your head, not with your heart. We're not betting anything except for hoping we can be right. And I'm terrible at that. I would be a terrible better on sports because I only bet with my heart. I was going to say. So if you had the opportunity to bet on sports, you would no longer have the opportunity to buy anything, and you'd have to sell everything that you had to make up for it. Except that one time when I hit, it'll be like, okay, what do I do with the money now? Ah, let's just bet it on the next one. That sounds like what to do when you wanted the casino. I've got some stories for you on that off the air. I know some people that have won big and made bad decisions. I know some people that have never won and continued to make bad decisions. But it's a good decision to play buy or sell. Here's how the game works. I'm going to give a statement for each of the four major sports men's leagues. NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL. Hopefully Dave is paying close attention because that's where he comes in. Because he's got to choose the league. And then when I give the statement, if he agrees, he's going to say buy and tell me why. If he disagrees, he's going to say sell and tell me why. The reason I focus on the leagues is because too often Dave just likes to say, I know the Minnesota sports team in that league. I'm going to say that instead. Uh, as you were talking, I was reminding myself that if I say Vikings, you're going to say it doesn't matter because they're not playing. So let's. I should get a buzzer. If you if you don't say the league and you say a team, okay, can't play. Imagine if you had a buzzer for every time that I made some kind of mistake like that. You know what this it show would be, would be called? to listen to. This show would be called The Buzzer. Yes, it would be hard to listen to. Uh, let's start with Major League Baseball since the Twins finally did something. All right. Major League Baseball involves a former twin, but not the Twins. So rumors are circulating that the Miami Marlins are willing to shop Luis Arise. Buy or sell that the Marlins would be crazy to do that. Oh, I sell that. I don't think they'd be crazy to do that at all. Remember what I said when the Twins traded him. You've got a guy who hits really well, batting average, getting on base, that stuff, really doesn't have a position. His position's probably first base because his knees are terrible, but he's five foot ten, and he has no power. Like, he is a charismatic team leader. He's got all those things, but he's a tough fit in the lineup. Right. So here's proof that we hang out too much. I know you said it last <laughs> segment, but I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly, and I'm going to sell that they're not crazy to do that. Now, I know on the surface it, it looks crazy because, you know, we talked about only the Twins would do this because they traded Rod Carew after winning a batting title, and they traded Luis Arise after winning a batting title. I don't know how many, if any, have won batting titles in each league albeit in back-to-back seasons, and could potentially get dealt after both of them. 
on the surface, that seems nuts. But Dave just covered every reason why it makes sense. What you've got is a very tiny, powerless potential DH if he's not mm-hmm. exceeding expectations at second base. You know who would be a great trade partner with them? The Twins. Because what don't they do? They don't Make get contact. on base. And you could pl- – I'm granted – He's still too short to be a regular first baseman, but we have pretty good infielders, Brian. He wouldn't be a terrible fit at first base regularly because Kirloff's hurt all the time, right? Uh, you got if if Buxton can play center field, we're going to have a rotation at DH, and you could DH Arise and Kirloff. Well, if anything with the Twins starts with the sentence, if Buxton can play center field, I kind of check out after it's, that. I, I hope it's, it's true world. this year, but who knows? But it would be interesting not saying that he should or will come back to the Twins. I don't think so at all. In fact, the rumor mill started with the New York Yankees, and and that would be tough because Luis Arise is such a likable player, and then there's the Yankees. But if you think back to, you know, with the Jeter, the captain series on ESPN, you think back to how many likable players the Yankees had on their good teams. Would somebody like Arise make you go, well, I I don't hate the Yankees as much with him on there. How how about a team that I'm not a big fan of, but every left-handed punch and Judy hitter should play for in their career, and that's Boston. Yeah, like how many play catch with the green monster if he, you're going to go the other he way. He might hit 400 right. if, if anyway. But the interesting part, too, is this state, and I don't matter the sport, this state loves to basically pick at deals gone wrong for each team and the brass that did it. How good would the Twins look if they got Pablo Lopez and extended him and have a potential ace? Now, we don't know what's coming this season, obviously, but how good would the Twins look if they got all that? For the Marlins to get one batting title out of Luis Arise and really not do anything, although they did make it to the same round yeah. in terms of how the postseason, while the Twins moved on, the, the Marlins didn't, but they both were if wild was, card series entrants. If I was a team that needed a leader, right? I felt that we were close, but man, we just don't have that harmony piece. He would be much more valuable to me as an, as an owner because I think that's what he'd be good in Chicago with the Cubs, frankly, with the White Sox too, for that, for that exact reason. See, now that I don't want. I don't want Luis Arise in this division because every time he did something oh, against the Twins, we'd hear about it again and again and again and again, no matter if Pablo Lopez was 12-0 and with an ERA of 1. Yeah, he, he and he would hit five. He's that, he's that guy. He'd hit 500 against the Twins if he was in the division. All right, one and, down. And Detroit could use him. One down, three to go. Luis Arise, why can't you find a home? That's proof that I've said it all along. Batting average is overrated. But then you look at Joe Maurer well on his way to a first ballot Hall of Famer. Maybe maybe it isn't. That's I don't know. Discussion someday as well. It's, it's crazy. But Harold Baines, thank you very much. Let it be, I guess. The National Basketball Association is next. All right. The NBA. I've got a theme of hypocrisy today, it seems, because I asked, would a team be crazy for dealing Luis Arise after, obviously, Minnesota did it? Load management has been an NBA term that gets the eye roll from just about everybody. For the first time, I think, ever, The Minnesota Timberwolves utilized it this week. They sat Mike Conley. They sat Rudy Gobert. Rudy's was an injury designation, but they simply sat Mike Conley in the loss to Boston. Buy or sell that suddenly because it's ours, load management is okay with you. So how many games has Conley played this year up to load management day? I don't have that in front of me. All of them. He played really well last night. I know that. He's he's 35. Before he got traded here, one of the things that he was frustrated with in Utah is that he was a bench player because he thought he could do more. Um, he's played here, like like you said, he's been amazing. You give him a day off? Like if you were doing this every week like they do with Leonard in, in – And LeBron. Um, then that's a whole different story. But they gave him a day off. 
I, I they do that all the time in sports. So you're buying it's okay. I'm buying in that situation it's okay. I'm not a load management guy, but I don't think he's a load management participant. Right. I think he took a day off. There's a couple different things in play because in a way this does kind of excuse when LeBron does it because you are dealing with somebody who's not a spring chicken anymore. And it should be okay. But you're also in Mike Conley's case dealing with somebody who's not a star. So the problem I have with load management is kind of a different two, threefold problem because I have a problem and I've made it very clear on this show before. I have a huge problem with good NBA seat ticket prices. Now I know people will say, what do you mean? You can go for 20 bucks. Yeah, I can go sit at the very top of the building and go look at that ant, not Edwards, but there's an ant down there slam dunking. I've, I've done that too. Right. So I have a problem with ticket prices, with the amount that people shell out to go see these players and I don't think that another league showcases individuals better than the NBA does. My point is, we love Mike Conley. Old guys like you and me, appreciating the greedy point guard. Kids and families aren't running to a Timberwolves game to see Mike Conley. If it's cat or ant sitting, it's different. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Uh, if you, LeBron brought up a really thought for me, and that is, in baseball... What would we do with somebody like LeBron who is still good um, but getting older? He'd DH twice a week. So is it much different? And it is, I know. But is yeah. it a whole lot different than what they do now with him? If if basketball had a way to just swap him in for offense and then switch him in, somebody else in for the hard work on the defensive end, I mean, they could do that too, but that's not doable in the NBA. Well, it's interesting that you bring up baseball because the easy excuse is, well, they have almost double the games, you know, 82 versus 162. And you could talk about athleticism required for basketball and athleticism required for baseball. And you'd get the chuckle that I just did out of most people that are in that conversation. But you make a solid point because baseball does it all the time. As somebody who came down from Duluth to target field quite often, and usually because of schedule or even back as a kid at the Metrodome because of schedule, I probably went to Sunday afternoon games more often than anything because it just fits your schedule. Ron Gardenhire actually and Tom had a Kelly name. Had Sunday lineups that you go, oh my gosh, every player that I couldn't wait to see, hopefully he pinch hits today because... It's the Rich Becker special. I saw more of Jeff Rebele than Jeff Rebele's family did. You know, those kinds of things, they just happen. You know, the reason I remember Alex Cole so well is because (laughs) if Kirby had the day off, Alex Cole was in center field. Now, I may have some errors screwed up there, but you get my point. I do. The Rich Becker special is probably perfect. You know, no wonder there was a phase where Pat Mears was my favorite player because I saw him from the... From the very ground up. The last two years of Todd Walker, man, he was every Sunday. Right. So, you know, other sports do this. It's just viewed differently because the entire sport, as far as individuals go, is viewed differently. But it's fun because the Timberwolves are winning to be like, hey, yeah, we're doing load management because we should. Because, you know, to quote my favorite movie, Major League again, we're contenders now. (laughs) All right. Let's let's move on to the National Hockey League. Two to go. All right. We're going to speed through these last two and... Quite frankly, the Minnesota Wild are a speed bump for most teams right now. And because of that, I ask you this. The building is a palace. We love it. We hope we're there with a local high school team, you know, in March. But besides the building, buy or sell that you can find any good reason to follow and watch the Minnesota Wild right now. I think you can. I think you really can follow Boldy and Faber and Rossi, Rossi, whatever they call them now. It varies Um, by day. Right. You get away with that one. And now uh, Jasper. Uh, I think that I think that there's this core, young core that you can go have fun to watch. The problem is, is they're so coded with veterans and injuries that you actually have to look for them. 
But now that Bedard got hurt, the number one guy in Rookie of the Year, Chase, Brock Faber. It's probably Brock Faber. So Gopher fans can find a reason to watch easily. Look at it. He's literally flexing on me. Radio is not a visual medium. But Dave, who, by the way, is dressed like a cross between the Doppler effect and a referee gone bad. You can't just something shirt, Something Zubas could have come up with. Yep. He just flexed on me. Radio is not a visual medium, but for all of you, I wish it was. So I'm going to spin it a different way. I'm going to sell that you can find a good reason to follow Finally. the wild. But my reason is different. I agree with everything that you said in terms of if you want to, you can. And there's there's reasons to see what this player, this player, and this player does. I look at it like a TV guide. If I look at the number of sports that are available to watch and the wild are on there, they're probably at the bottom. I did it last night. We work high school, college, pick a sport. We do it. But the Wolves were on when I got home. The Gopher basketball team was just wrapping up when I got home. UMD hockey was on when I got home. The Wild were on. I watched 30 seconds of the Wild game. Now, mind you, it was the 30 seconds in which they lost. But the Wild, they're quickly becoming the, oh, yeah, I'll see how they did. Well, how about this? What's your second favorite team in the NHL? I know what mine is. Um, and then if they're on and the Wild are on, it's no longer just watch the Wild. You know, it's flicked back and forth because how's Winnipeg doing? Right. Right. Because you don't. Have the Wild gone to that level? Do you remember when the Wolves had their six packs yes. and it was pick six and they promoted the opponents because you could see this player and this player and this player? It's when I started following Sacramento. And I know Sacramento wasn't a whole lot better. Right. But I started following Sacramento because I could turn the Wild or the Wolves off at halftime because the Sacramento Kings were just starting because they were a little further west. All right, so real quick to the NFL. NFL. Don't give away too much of it because it's going to be our final segment anyway. But the weather is a big factor in these games, and we get it. But it impacts everybody who plays in it. Some just have more experience in it. Some don't. I feel like pundits are writing off the Miami Dolphins in Kansas City because of the weather. Buy or sell that that's a proper thing to do. No, Guess, exactly. who the, guess who the better running team is Exactly. It's the Miami Dolphins. They'll put the ball on the ground and run. Kansas City, I'm not sure that Edwards Hilaire or uh, Pacheco, Pacheco yeah. thank you, I, wasn't, I was going someplace else, are, uh, are formidable as, as Mossert and uh, Mostert. The, the guy that I have on both of my fantasy league teams, the fast guy. Yeah, the rookie. The problem with him is that if the footing isn't great, then you can kind of take him out of the out of the um, uh, equation because he's a straight burner. If right. he can't get his footing, then he's small. I'm completely with you, and I'll just keep it simple because we're going to do a pick em in the next segment. But the interesting part to me is this. If you want to write off the Dolphins in Kansas City, go ahead. But don't do it because of the weather. Do it because of how badly they, you know, put themselves in this situation by the failure to close the Buffalo game just last Sunday. Or do it by reputation. This is the Chiefs in the playoffs. Who's betting against them? You may pick against them, but like I said, you're going to put money down that Mahomes and Kelsey and company are going to lose at home? I'm going to give you a preview here quick. I picked Kansas City because of the cold, right? And I wrote, although Miami will run the football better, Chris Jones is a difference maker. I, I wrote that before we ever sat down. So you are a good segue person. Yes, because trying. We're going to pick NFL playoff games when we come back. I don't like doing this when the Vikings aren't involved, but at least, like we said earlier, no I don't have to put it. my heart in it at yeah. all. I have Nobody's going to yell at me and go, I can't believe you picked against them. I only have one heart pick coming up, Brian. Only one. I'm trying to think of who that is. Should be easy. Which we, one do you struggle guessed, with? We guessed it in the beginning. No, it's not hard. 
uh, struggling. It's hard. I should say it's easy. I, I only have the one that I'm picking with my heart. How about that? And All it's right. The one from the beginning of the year. You know which one it is. So they say home is where the heart is. We'll find out where Dave Cook's heart is. I got a hunch he's got a baker involved in it. Playoff Pick'em is next as part of Drawing Lines. Stick around. We'll be right back. Final segment of the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We're here till noon. You better be too. Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We're full of hot takes that most of the time we couldn't get right either. But one thing we did get very right is a great group of sponsors. Dave Cook will tell you about them right now. Absolutely, Brian. Let's start with Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer for our area. Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, The Blackwoods Group, including locations Tavern on the Hill, Blackwater, Tavern on the Hill. Twice. They're so good. All those places that are awesome, right? Um, all those places that we spend money. Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart Spike Sports and Trophies, uh, Mike Regan and Christensen Group Insurance, Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, and OAR Holdings. Absolutely, and OAR Holdings, we appreciate you. Arola Architecture Studio, the OG, you were the first, and you are the one that brings us the drawing line segment. The lines we draw today are essentially the NFL playoff bracket as it stands right now. And we'll do this every week during the playoffs. Obviously, there'll be fewer games to talk about. But I don't want to predict it all right now because, again, they get seated different. Depends on who wins. So we'll just do it each week. And it'll be our prerogative to change our mind because we can sit there and say, well, this team's going to get demolished this weekend. And then they'll win. And next week, we'll talk about how good they are. In fact, however many games that I'm going to tell you who's going to win or lose, all those games will be backwards. So I was going to say, if you are betting on sports, take whatever Dave and I say and do the opposite. Yeah. Well, you'll probably have different picks. I was going to say, we'll see if we disagree because today we've been very, very agreeable. And I don't know if that's great or scary. Is the same as always, except this time we had actually a real disagreement. So, yes. All right. Let's, um, let's, start Brian who do you want to start with well let's start with the game that's going to be played first we'll just go ahead and do these in order in terms of the calendar so the first one is this afternoon Cleveland at Houston and talk about two teams that at least for me I didn't see at the beginning of the season being here kudos to CJ Stroud and company for doing what they did but before we say anything specific to this game can I just say as a whole my parents both of them at different times in my life used to say that sports are rigged and it always bothered me still does Because I love it because it's not. At least I think it's not. I don't like reality TV in terms of shows, but sports is reality TV for me. But you look at these matchups and the script is written because you've got Deshaun Watson against his former team. We're going to go a little bit further on and see Matthew Stafford go back against his former team. Tyreek Hill against his former team. Goff against his former team. Mike McCarthy against his former team. I mean, the storylines, the NFL got this right. So that does make me question, are are we sure this isn't rigged? But at any point, I know who I'm rooting for. I'm not sure who I've got, but I'm going to take the home team because I think Cleveland's defense will keep them in it, and I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to take Houston. Okay, our first disagreement. I think that Cleveland's defense is good enough that C.J. Stroud isn't going to have C.J. Stroud game and that Cleveland's going to win it in a close matchup because I think their offense is better than Houston's defense, and their defense is better than Houston's offense. Well, and the interesting part is you've got head coaches whose calling guards are completely different. Kevin Stefanski is the ultimate offensive mind. Meanwhile, Coach Ryans is the reverse. He's the guy I wanted the Vikings to get. I don't mind KOC like most people do, but I was leaning his way when he was available I don't know. I just feel like Houston's going to be the darling that everybody loves because the rookie's getting it done. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, 
There's a rookie quarterback in the NFC that's in the playoffs, too. I hope he gets nothing done. He's a rookie quarterback in terms of starting. He's not a rookie, if you know what I mean. I, I do. I do. Um, I just think Cleveland, Cleveland smells a little bit like Team of Destiny to me, too. See, I just think the Browns are going to brown in the playoffs. There are, there are different teams that you just expect to fall short. If, so if they win, Brian, I'm calling you and I'm going to say, hey, Brian, what's Brown done for you? Exactly. And I guess I've been more of a FedEx guy to the very end. <laughs> so about 7 o'clock tonight, I could get a call from Dave Cook, but you should be busy. Oh, I'll, I'll be busy. Yeah, there I got the whole day of hockey. Today. There is a lot of NFL playoff action this weekend, but there's a lot of local action in just about every sport. So if you get a chance to follow these more power to you, but games at Mars, games at East for basketball, games at Heritage, big, big one at Hermantown Arena, War Road in Hermantown. This is just a weekend where if you like sports, go ahead and pick one or you know try to pick six or seven. It's, it's fun to try to make as many stops as you can. Yeah, and it's fun when you can go to one place and see multiple teams, right? Because As he promotes Scholastica Mars a little bit further. And, and Marshall play today, but Marshall plays one of those teams nobody can figure out where they're from. I think it's Two Rivers or Three Lakes or whatever, and they're coming... Uh, and Four they score might, in seven years they ago. They might be really good. Like I, I just don't know where. They, I think they're Pequot Lakes and Pillager and All right. Burndale. Moving and on to combo. two cities we're more familiar with. Yes, Kansas please. City is going to host Miami. And again, we've already talked about the weather is being discussed ad nauseum with this game. Dave Hoops has called it Ice Bowl 2. He sent that to me in a text earlier this week. I don't know if it'll get to that. Maybe it will. I did like what I saw on social media with the Cool Runnings clip. Like the Jamaican bobsled team is the Dolphins, and they're going to have no idea what to do when they get into this weather. I just don't see that, but I still see Kansas City winning. I do as well, although, again, I'll say it like we said earlier. I think Miami's going to be able to run the football. Uh, in a cold weather, running the football is really important. But you know what? Miami's going to have one big negative, and that is in a, in a white situation, they are going to be wearing all white. And the question is, are they going to blend in? Is that going to hurt to a... I mean, it, when when you've got when you've got Hill running a deep cross and has space, it's going to be real tough to see him. Right. And so, I, I'm picking Kansas City. I think Chris Jones is a difference maker today. I think Kansas City wins. The only problem I have with this game, and I really look at Miami and go, "You did this to yourself." Is not so many weeks ago we thought this could be an AFC title game. Yeah. Instead, here we are in round one, but Miami just didn't finish. I mean, kudos to Buffalo for doing that. Buffalo was teetering from even getting here, and now they're a division champion. But, you know, Miami, Kansas City, it, I thought for sure that was going to be Super Bowl preview. Maybe it still is. Whoever wins this game maybe, you know, gets that positive momentum that they need. But it is also going to be interesting to see two teams that love to throw the football if they're not able to. I know you said both can run it a little. Miami probably better. But how no, much? Miami better. But how much limitation to the passing game will there truly be? Well, if it's cold, it's, I mean, a football doesn't warm up automatically. I mean, it's cold. They're going to be like catching bricks. So the interesting part to this, though, is we agree that if they can't throw the ball, Miami has the running advantage. But if they're limited in throwing the ball, Kansas City has an advantage. I'd much rather throw to a tight end over the middle than have to throw deep all the time. And truly, their quarterback is twice the quarterback Miami has. I, I'm not a Tua guy still. How many yards for Tyreek against his former club? Uh, if it was in a neutral setting or if it wasn't going to be minus 40, I think he'd light him up. I just, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I, this is a 10-7 game, and I think Kansas City wins. All right, so moving to Sunday, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. 
Now, the politicians in the area are trying to keep fans away or trying to shut down one team. Which team will shut down the other in the actual football sense? I, I just think I think Pittsburgh's lucky to be here. Yeah. Buffalo is I just this game could get ugly. Like I think Buffalo could put Pittsburgh away. I know we're gonna do this every week, and as long as they're still alive, I'll probably spoiler alert keep picking them. I've told people that I think just for fun, Buffalo is going to reach another Super Bowl this year, but I also think they're going to lose again. Yeah, my uh, Super Bowl pick from the AFC is not going to do anything, Brian, because their quarterback got hurt in snap number well, four. Yes. And- <laughs> from, from the preseason picks that we made, Dave picked the Jets and I picked the Chargers. So AFC, we don't, don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right, so the Chargers lost their coach, the Jets lost their quarterback. So yeah, going back to uh, August, I, don't go with us. I think Buffalo has shown that they can overcome adversity and they probably are the scariest team in the playoff because of that. All right, so the middle game Sunday, because there is a night game Sunday as well, is the Packers at Dallas. The Packers have done extremely well in Jerry's world before, but not without Aaron Rodgers before. I hate picking this game because I don't like either of these teams. I told somebody on social media earlier this week, the real winner in this game is my shower. Because if I say anything positive about either one of these teams, I instantly need a shower. I think Dallas is better I think Green Bay is hotter. I don't trust Jordan Love enough in this big of a moment. He can prove me wrong, and because I'm a Viking fan, he probably will. But I'll take Dallas just barely by a by field goal. I'm going to do the exact opposite because I think Mike McCarthy's a doofus. Well, I agree with you. And, and I think that there's going to come a point in the game where Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy's, and whether that's on the offensive side or the defensive side, he's going to ask to do something, ask his team to do something they're going to fail at, and Green Bay is going to squeak this thing out. And I don't like saying it any more than you do. I think Jordan Love's going to win this. I think they're going to get annihilated in the next game. But Mike McCarthy's going to get fired, Brian, and Jim Harbaugh is going to be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. <laughs> more predictions than you bargained for right there. All right, the final game Sunday. I haven't taken a road team yet. The Rams visit Detroit, and I'm going to take a road team finally. Similar to the reasons that you took Green Bay, I don't think Dan Campbell's a doofus. I think he's fun. I think he's innovative. I think he's good for that team because they adopt his personality. They have a chip on their shoulder. They believe in themselves. But I'm going to wait for Dan Campbell to take a Dan Campbell gamble that makes no sense and benefit the Rams. And I think that's what will happen. Plus, the narrative always was when this trade was made. I know it's Goff against the Rams, too. But let's face it, it's Stafford against the Lions. Everybody said, oh, oh, good for Stafford. He's good, and he deserves so much better than being on the Lions. Well, he got it. He won a Super Bowl immediately. Now he somehow took this team from the dead to the playoffs. I think he is going to show how much better he is not on Detroit. Detroit is much better now, but they have no idea what it's like to be here. I don't think they're going to be here long. I think the opposite. I think Detroit's going to I think Detroit's going to win. Um, Stafford coming back scares me because there's a quarterback that can win a game by himself, right? I mean, he'll throw the ball all over the yard. Right. The question is this. Detroit has an amazing pass rush. Like, Hutchinson and them are going to get after Stafford. The one thing Stafford's never been really good at is getting out of pressure. And so if Detroit's defense and and the uh, the, sa- the safety with the two names, the hyphen, Gardner-Johnson, uh, he's a big, big game, big-time player. I, I just think Detroit's going to roll here. I think they're going to beat the Rams I think the atmosphere fairly. is going to be awesome, but I'm just not sure what it'll do. I think they're going to beat the Rams Either it's going to be a kind well. of hush or it's going to be too loud for Stafford to handle. I think they're going to beat the Rams fairly handily. 
For me, it comes down to which coach do I trust, not which one do I like, because I like Dan Gamble more than I like Sean McVay. But in a big moment, I just I just don't see it. So I'm going Detroit. So in other words, the Rams win. But I'm going Detroit. All right. So here's the thing. I picked the Rams, but I wouldn't mind being wrong. It's one of those things where if Detroit I, wins, I, have, I don't mind. I have to be right, Brian. This is the other Super Bowl team but I, I have, picked. But I have very <laughs> different feelings with the two teams in our division that play on Sunday. If Green Bay wins, I don't like the Cowboys at all. But if Green Bay wins, we're going to hear about it forever and ever. Although, I will say because this year was a struggle, minus the show in front of us, you didn't hear a lot of ridiculousness from Packer fans most of this season. They know they're, I don't want to say lucky, but happy to be here as well. I think Vikings fans kind of put their hand head in their hands and go, my God, love's going to be okay. I think he is going to be okay. I don't have him anointed as a superstar yet. Some do. I, I don't know yet. The jury's still out there. The final game, Monday night, Philadelphia plummeted towards the end of the season and plummeted their Honestly, way into a wild card like game if, on the road. If they lose, their coach might be gone. Right. And Nick Sirianni was the man yes, earlier the this season. Of the year, and now bet. he's the man that could be in some trouble. Philadelphia goes to Tampa Bay. On paper, Philadelphia is much better. This is not that much different than when Dallas went to Tampa Bay last year, even though the Bucks had Tom Brady and Dallas had no issues because somebody had to win the South and there was no way they were going to win a playoff game. I don't know about that with Tampa. It's, this is harder to pick than it should be. Now, the news this morning that A.J. Brown is ruled out complicates things. Philadelphia should win. But if Baker pulled something off, because I do like Chris Godwin, I do like Mike Evans, I do think Rashad White is better than people give him credit for, I don't know about the atmosphere in Tampa because I don't know if that fan base cares. But boy, either Philadelphia is going to win by 30 because they're going to say you all thought we were dead, or if it's close, Baker and the home team pull it off. I know that's not making a pick. Give me the Eagles, I guess, but it wouldn't shock me none if it goes the other way. Completely agree. Uh, and I'll break it down a little bit more. I don't think, outside of wide receiver, I don't think there's a position that Philadelphia isn't better than Tampa Bay. Maybe safety, right? Because Winfield is that good. I, I mean, you want you want to talk about Vita Vea? I'll talk about the the rookie from Georgia, right? Every single position. That being said. Philly is falling like a rock. Right. They haven't played with a dang in a while. Um, Baker's the kind of quarterback that if it's a 12-7 game, Tampa Bay wins. You're right. If if Philly scores 30, Tampa Bay is not going to score 38. But if it's 12-7, 15-7, Tampa Bay wins. And that's kind of the game Philly's playing right now, too. Right. I'm picking Tampa. And all of a sudden, it could be a game like that because – Normally, of those two defenses, you would applaud Philadelphia. Not in the past month, month and a half. Tampa Bay has always had a fairly good defense. If this is 15-7, to I think it'll be Tampa being the strength. Yeah, I, I agree. Their secondary is going to be able to cover Philly. Their, um, their defensive line is good. Philadelphia's offensive line is great. Hurts hasn't played very well at all. I think Tampa wins in a low-scoring game. Real quick, there are two number one seeds just watching and waiting San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. I know we're going to do picks week to week till this thing is over. Do you think, spoiler alert for weeks to come, do you think this is the year where we see two number ones in the Super Bowl again? I do not. I don't either. Yep. Which one don't you trust? San Francisco. Really? Yep. Now I know that's which one you don't like. No, no, no. I think that Baltimore is head and shoulders better than everybody except maybe Buffalo, and the only reason is Buffalo's hotter than a pistol. Right? See 
Again, everybody owes an apology to Lamar Jackson, myself yep. included. I, I'm going to owe him an apology again if he pulls this off because Baltimore is still the one I don't trust. They're very well coached. Lamar is an incredible player. Find me a good pass catcher on that team, and I, I just don't think they have enough of that to pull this off. But every single time this year that we've said, ah, Lamar's going to fold, he hasn't. I think the only team that can play him well is Cleveland, and if Cleveland gets knocked out, on. Cleveland's. I already covered that. Cleveland's losing in about seven hours. Right, but the the rest. Look at the rest of the defenses in the AFC. They're all okay. Not real good. Absolutely. What'd you think of this show? Were we okay? Not real good. Hopefully better <laughs> than so, that. That sounds like us. Thank you very much to our sponsors, our listeners. Thank you to Dave Hoops. Thank you to Julianne Vasicek. Thank you, Northland. Like we said, on the calendar, today is great. Pick the sport, pick the venue, pick the level. Go see one. Yeah, and let's go cheer on Julianne if you have time. We play it, too. That would be one of them. We're out of here. Have a good rest of your weekend. See ya.